What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Soul Friends Podcast. My name is Alex, and I am your host, as well as the co-founder and COO here at Swolverine. Swolverine is an endurance active or endurance athlete and active lifestyle brand. All of our products, with over 31 of them now, which is kind of crazy to say, um, are all proprietary, blend-free, clinically dosed, and scientifically proven effective. Today, though, super excited to have our Swole Friends podcast guest, Brandon, one of the most multifaceted fitness professionals in the entire space. Um, he's also been along the fitness kind of journey before social media existed, really made himself a household name. And today we're going to talk about not only his fitness accomplishments, being an IFBB pro, being on the cover of magazines, being the head of like some really, really major companies in the space, but also how he's, you know, developed his personal image, his personal brand through time, how he has, you know, partnered with other people in this space, become a wellness director how he talks to the youth and really is fostering the future of not only, I think, you know, bodybuilding and fitness in general, but just kind of like this overall health and wellness community, both, you know, aesthetically, but mentally too. So today I'm super excited to have him. Brandon, what's up? How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. I'm excited to chat with you. It's kind of, it's interesting, you know, when you talk to someone like yourself who is very accomplished, very well-rounded, who brings not only, you know, just an aesthetic to the community, but just this value. Where do we, <laughs> where do we even start kind of in a way? But um, I guess where, where we will start is tell me a little bit about just kind of early life. Let's just start from the beginning. I mean, what was little Brandon like? I mean, you're a father now, you see your son, but what was little Brandon like? And how did, how did you end up getting into fitness in the first place? Uh, yeah. So my early life, my parents had me at barely 18 you know, years of age. So they didn't quite necessarily know how to be parents at the time. And uh, so I bounced around a lot. I was at my, my uh, paternal grandma's a lot, but I also had an extremely uh, difficult early childhood, meaning, you know, we lived in poverty, so to speak, condemned housing. We didn't have food on the table, stuff like that. And I looked up to like Hulk Hogan, you know, in the eighties, I'm that old, uh, Superman, stuff like that, because they did good things and they were super strong and they could essentially bounce back from anything. They could, couldn't be hurt, right? So I was intrigued by muscles and strength and all that stuff at a young age because, you know, for me living in the conditions that I did, I, I felt that that was some sort of protection, you know, for me. So from about the age of probably five until I was about 10, if you look back at any picture, I was flexing like straight double biceps. They had to hold my arms down in like family photos and stuff. Uh, because I wanted to be big and strong. That was it, you know, and I was determined that no matter what, that's what I was going to be. Um, unfortunately, uh, I, I didn't end up initially that way, so to speak, because when I was younger, I was a great athlete. Um, you know, I could play every sport and all that. And that's how I made friends. Cause I went from school to school to school, moved around a lot. Um, but I wasn't strong. And when I was a freshman in high school, the hierarchy of who's cool is what you can bench press, right? That's fair. The first time I tried to bench press, I couldn't bench press 100 pounds. I could dunk a basketball, but I couldn't bench press 100 pounds. So I was relentlessly made fun of over and over and over because, you know, I was I was six foot one uh, in the eighth grade and that's where I stopped growing. Uh, so I grew all at once and then I stopped. So, you know, I'm this bigger kid that can do all these other things, but I wasn't strong. And uh, that's kind of what got me you know, motivated to, to start. And back then we didn't have the internet and all that stuff to look things up. So it was all in magazines. And the first person I really attached myself to was Michael Hearn. 
uh, because at the time he was in every magazine, he was on every cover, and they were always, yeah, and in, in everywhere. And uh, you know, so up front, that's where I started to pick out workouts and you know learn what to eat and stuff like that. And that's where my journey really started was about the age of fourteen. Gotcha. So about that time, I mean, growing up, I guess in poverty or like limited access, food insecurity when you were looking at these people and then learning, you know, what it takes to get there and what it takes to build that type of muscle and mass, what resources did you have available to you or what didn't you have available to you? Like, how did you start to be like, cool, I need to do this or I need to do that. Um, and what do I have access to or what don't I like, how did you make that work for you? You know, at the time supplements were too expensive. Uh, EAS was the company, you know, that was out at the time and their, their supplements were crazy expensive. And, you know, a kid in high school, I couldn't couldn't afford that. And so for me, it was just about lifting and being consistent. And up front, it's, you know, it's chest day every day. You know, you don't know anything else. And the more you read and the more you, you learn, you know, you start doing, you know, different types of workouts and stuff. And so through high school, it was a learning curve, just learning about my body, learning how to lift and, and be efficient in that. It, I was a senior in high school before I took any, any supplements. The first one I took was creatine because I had a job. I was able to pay for it. And, you know, back then it was just a basic powder, but, uh, you know, I took it religiously and, uh, you know, I started to excel in the realm of, of lifting. I would say probably around the age of 17, that's when things really started to pick up for me. Would you say lifting was kind of like, uh, there's a place where you could focus your energy and like kind of escape from your life a little bit or just, I mean, yeah. So, I technically uh, have been diagnosed with PTSD uh, based on my upbringing uh, and other factors in my young life. And uh, in my senior year of high school, I started to have panic attacks and I didn't know what the hell a panic attack was. I was like, what, what's going on with this? Right. And you know, you're at an age where your hormones are all over the place and and all that. And I was never depressed and I've never been depressed in my life. Um, Mm -hmm. But I have dealt with panic attacks and stuff like that at an early age until I learned, you know, how to cope with them and deal with them myself. Um, but you know, because of that, that's where the gym became kind of my, my medication, so to speak, uh, because I wasn't medicated, uh, through any of those, those events. And, uh, the gym, no matter what's going on in my life has always been there for me. It's always been my relief. It's always been my getaway. It's always been my place to focus. Uh, people always ask me, like, I don't listen to music in the gym, for instance. I don't have headphones in because I literally lose myself in the gym. And I'm in my head the whole time and I'm working things out about my day and about my life and all that other stuff. And the gym just really, uh, it completes me. I mean, to be honest, it, it makes me more balanced, happier, healthier, uh, more successful individual. Was there a time where you phased out of playing sports? or dunking basketballs, I guess he'd say, to focus a little bit more on training or like lifting? Yep. Uh, you know, all the way through high school, uh, I played various sports, uh, love sports. I always had an aspiration to play pro baseball. And, uh, you know, I had scouts watching me, you know, freshman year all the way through and obviously college is coming up and all that. And weight training only made me better. Um, when I got to college, you know, to want to play baseball and all that stuff. It, it really, the, the interest wasn't there anymore. It all transitioned over to, um, into weightlifting. It's something that I was passionate about and I loved. And at the time I didn't have any necessary goals other than I wanted to be big and strong. That was it. I just want to be big and strong period. Uh, I didn't care about aesthetics, anything like that, just big and strong. That's all I wanted. And, 
the other part was, is I had a crazy, crazy metabolism. So I also didn't put on weight necessarily that easy up front either. You know, when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, it, it comes a lot harder. Um, the strength came, but the muscle didn't necessarily come as quickly as I would have liked. That's fair. Okay. So let's talk. So like, for example, what did you weigh when you were 17? You're six one. you grew in eighth grade. What did you weigh? Um, in when I was, I graduated high school at 192 pounds. I know that for a fact. Um, I probably started high school, um, 160 probably. Um, Right now, I, I weigh about 200 pounds. I've been doing a lot of cardio. I'm staying leaner right now. Mm -hmm. I actually used to compete, believe it or not, in the 180s. I used to have to drop muscle to compete because the way my aesthetics are, my round shoulders and chest, I always look way bigger than I am. Mm -hmm. uh, so I've never been this you know, huge person in, in competition. I've been as heavy as 255 pounds. Um, that wasn't very comfortable. I couldn't breathe. I couldn't tie my shoes. Uh, I'm not meant to be big. I have tiny joints and, and all that. It's just, it's just not for me. So off season for me, when I was competing and really doing a ton in the industry, I would, I would stay around 220 pounds and then I would cut down gradually, uh, for events and stuff like that. Okay. Where did you go? You said you went to school for college. Yep. Uh, in South Dakota, um, you know, school, I think at a young age, I, I went for a while, I went back, went for a while, went back, meaning it just at a young age, uh, not necessarily having the stability of the family and stuff like that. It took me quite a while to get through and, and finish. Um, and by then, realizing that a lot of the stuff I was learning, I was learning more within working with people and, and stuff like that, you know. Um, so that the collegiate education and going further with it, you know, for a while I wanted to be an RN, uh, wanted to be a nurse just because it's something that, I, you know, I wanted to work with people and I was interested in health and all that. And, uh, I ended up settling for business and, you know, went off into the world and I started to focus more on things I was individually interested in and, you know, that's training. So I've got 14 different training certifications. Uh, I have three in nutrition on top of that. And I found I got a lot more out of workshops, you know, three, four day workshops than I, I ever was sitting in a classroom. Um, and now I, I feel the same way. You know, people have asked me, would you ever go back to school or this, that or whatever? And at my age, you know, other than to do something random, like get a doctorate or something like that, there's there's no point. Um, I think you can learn as much as you want online and or again, spending spending time with individuals that really know their stuff. Now, that doesn't mean that I can go hang out with a doctor and go be a doctor. That doesn't mean that. But what I'm saying in general for me and right now in my place in life, the things that I want to know are accessible through the people I either know or through, you know, the internet, libraries, and or workshops that you can go to. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that speaks to a lot of um, taking a good hard look at your life and like what school or what you're told to do how it actually supports you or how it's actually going to further your life. I think a lot of people are like, Oh, I have to do one, two, three, four. And my life's going to look like one, two, three, four. But it's like, if you actually just start looking at yourself and say like, if I go get a master's or doctorate, how can I apply this? How is it going to help me? And if it's not like, that's no big deal. It doesn't make me any less like educated or knowledgeable or, you know, like con that I can contribute to my communities. Right. Yep. I mean, honestly coming out of school, I didn't know, I mean, Jack about much. I mean, to be honest, it's years of experience and working with people and asking questions and, you know, surrounding yourself with people that know more than you. And, uh, 
you know, especially when it comes to training and stuff and so many variables over the past 24 years that have been training have obviously changed what we thought we knew then we know different now. Um, and it's, you know, it's something that you always have to keep up on. Totally. Real quick here, Monique, what's up? Hello, Alex and Brandon. How's it going? Hi. <laughs> um, Brandon, tell me a little bit more about, you mentioned partnerships, right? You mentioned working with other people in the space, surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you, who know things that you don't, who make you a better human and person. Who are you kind of partnering with right now in the industry? You know, from an industry standpoint, um, you know, I know so many different people. Uh, that's something when I officially, and I can't really say I made it in the industry. Like I'm not a, a Chris Bumstead or somebody like that. And I never set out to be that, you know, I, I always had a corporate job and fitness. This stuff was always on the side. I didn't focus on growth, so to speak, uh, which is funny because when the internet really started to take off, I was friends with Bradley Martin. And uh, this is before he had a massive following. And he kept telling me, he's like, get on Instagram, get on Instagram, get on Instagram, grow it. This is going to be the thing. And I'm like, what do I need that for? You know, I had a great corporate job and, you know, I was landing these big sponsorships and stuff like that. So I was like, what more? is out there. Now you look today, you're like, man, I kind of missed the bus on, on those things. But, you know, when it comes to partnering with people, uh, again, I'm, I'm so blessed to call so many amazing people friends, you know, uh, when it comes to sports supplements, you know, I spent a lot of years with a lot of different companies, um, not a lot, uh, a lot of varying companies, I would say, not conflicting companies. You know, I was a bodybuilding.com athlete for many years, Dimatize, um, B-Sports Nutrition, um, uh, Icon Meals is my longest lasting sponsor. Todd Abrams is a good friend of mine over there, the owner. I uh, can't say enough good things about him. He's an amazing individual, created an amazing product. Um, lately, I've got uh, some really good friends at Core Nutri Nutraceuticals Nutrition. They're always sending me stuff and uh, they take care of me. But, you know, you always kind of catch these people that are charging ahead, you know, they're creating the path for others to follow. And, you know, I've seen, for instance, you know, uh, Dan Lorenko, who is the creator of Ghost Nutrition, like I knew him before he was there when he was with Cellucor and, you know, sitting down with him and telling me what his plan was, you know, I'm going to create products that are based off of cookies and this and this and this, and this is what I'm going to do. And now they're a juggernaut, you know what I mean? So to have been there in the beginning to see that is, is insane. Um, you know, having friends like Phil Heath or Jay Cutler or Mike O'Hearn, you know, it's funny because I always tell Mike, you know, here I was 14 years old reading about you and now we're working out together. Um, having those individuals to, to go to when you have questions or need help or just to listen to, uh, just to pay attention to, I'm not a super outspoken person, so I just pay attention. You know, there's people in the industry that I watch like Steve Cook, you know, Steve's done everything right. You know, he's been doing it a long time. He's very successful. Yeah. And, you know, I think he does things the right way. And a lot of times I'll watch people and I just don't say anything. So it's, it's not always partnering or creating that relationship where we're working together on things. Sometimes it's just paying attention to what other people do and, and watching how they lead and watching how they grow and then implementing it. And or if you're friends with them, just asking them, you know, how do you do it? You know, there's people that I follow every day that you would have no idea who they are. But to me, they're intriguing and, and they're doing things that I, I think to be amazing. So I have a lot of resources. I believe that networking is king. Um, so there's always a way to figure things out. Everything's figure outable, as they say. Um, and I'm very connected in that sort, but I also like to figure things out myself. 
I really enjoy connecting other people to other people. Um, but as a whole, you know, it's, it's, it's just one of those things where, like I said, it's, there's a multitude of people out there that I experience all in a different way, you know, um, all the way from just following and watching them, never saying a word all the way to people that I go to for advice. Totally. And that's very respectable. And especially too, in the day and age of social media and just, all this shit thrown in your face all the time about do this and don't do that and follow this person and, you know, enter this thing. And uh, a lot of times I think people are concerned with who follows us or who follows you versus who you follow. Yeah. And there's a lot of like mental health and like emotional health that goes into who you follow. And like you're saying, like a lot of times you might not even say something, you're just sitting there and you're observant and you're watching and you're learning. Um, And I think that sometimes that that's lost on people, which also, kind of plays into the idea of you were in bodybuilding before social media. We'll just say it that way. Um, And your why for bodybuilding, you can go, we can get into that. But I think a lot of people's why now is for the social aspect of it. It's not for the sport. It's not for, you know, it's like, Oh, everyone needs a pro card. I need my pro card. I'm going to go to this show and like get my shit handed to me. Like, that's not how it works. Like that's not how, um, the sport it's a sport at the end of the day, but I, you know, and you can touch on this a little bit more if you wouldn't mind and how you see that changing people, how you've seen that change the sport. What do you see when you look at younger athletes or up and coming athletes or people who look at Chris Bumstead and they're like, yeah, I'm going to be that guy. Like, is that even like a thing anymore? Or is it just kind of people skip the staircase and expect to be at the top? You know, the industry has changed so much. I came into the industry at a time where people like me could make it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before me, it was all the bodybuilders. It was the Jay Cullers, the Phil Heath. It was those guys that were getting these monster contracts. Because the way things were sold and how few brands there were and everything else, they're the ones that had opportunity. And I came in right at the time to get that. And you know, over the years, I've worked with 40, 50 brands easily, you know, and I've had some pretty big contracts that paid me a lot of money for a long time. And people would be astounded to be like, seriously, I'm like, I'll show you the contract. You know, I, I did a lot. And, you know, people in general get unrealistic expectations. You know, I'll be honest, I never thought I'd be on a magazine cover or be a pro or any of those things. I have a work ethic. Um, I'll work my ass off for anything. And I aligned myself with the right people and I networked well and, you know, I gave value. And that's the one thing I think people don't realize is I don't give a shit how big your following is because working with brands myself, having brands like Focus Nuts and stuff like that, you know, I work with people from UFC to NFL to, you know, influencers, just standard influencers to bodybuilders to you name it. And I see who can sell stuff and who can't. The problem is, is overall, a lot of people in the fitness industry can't sell stuff because they're oversaturated because over the last 10 years, they have promoted 40 different, you know, pre-workout drinks. So they're not believable anymore. It's not, it's not something that people look and be like, I've got to go get that. Now there are people out there that are amazingly credible. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everybody I'm saying in general, there are a lot of people out there. You'll see them with a different brand every week. They're just not selling any product where that brand thinks, well, they got a million followers. It's going to turn into a sale and it doesn't. And then you'll have people again that will have a following and they feel entitled or they get a pro card and they think everything you know just lands in a lap. It just does not work that way. Brands that are successful aren't going to give you money unless you are doing something in return that betters their brand, you know? And I've seen brands make great decisions with athletes that really produce. And I've seen brands hand over 
ten thousand dollars a month to somebody that you know can't sell a freaking anything you know and, and, and that's just how it is but the industry has changed you know and people now can create their own brands pretty easily you know they can create their own products and everything can be done online and you don't need a, a bodybuilding.com anymore to sell your stuff and you don't need a storefront to sell your stuff it, it's all changed now where before it was well there's 10 brands and these are the channels and you have to put ads in magazines and and all that it's it's very different from that but overall anybody now can be famous anybody can be a billionaire overnight and yes i said billionaire because the way the the world is set today it can it's possible which is crazy you know we would never think that somebody can be a, become a billionaire overnight but it happens mm -hmm. you know you these supplement companies that somebody starts off and they sell them for you know 600 million dollars or yeah. You know, I was with Quest Nutrition when they first started. Their bars were hard as a rock. You had to microwave them and, and hope they tasted good. And they sold for a, bi a billion dollars in cash, you know. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of amazing stories and a lot of amazing people out there. And there's a lot of amazing people doing amazing things. That's a lot of amazings. But then there's a lot of other people with unrealistic expectations looking at individuals, assuming that they can skip all the steps that they took to get there and or they're special or more special and they should just be granted those things themselves and it doesn't work that way totally and you mentioned you were in the corporate world fitness was on the side right yes. tell yeah. me more about that um so you know i trained through my 20s i opened gyms ran gyms stuff like that and uh you know i lived my 20s i traveled a lot i hung out with my friends on the weekends you know, I, I did kind of whatever I wanted. I lived a great life, very simple, simplistic, right? Mm -hmm. um, in everything I've done, I've always been good with people. I've always been good at sales. I've led a lot of various companies in my 20s, my early 20s, mm -hmm. especially uh, in sales. And so I've always enjoyed that. I always, you know, created a relationship with people. And I do the same thing with training. A lot of the people that I train, you know, I've become my best friends. And so as I worked through that, there's a guy named Jeff Bruin. Uh, he owns a company called Poet. It's in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It's the largest ethanol producer in the world. And I had the opportunity for years to work with his family. And one day he and I started talking about corporate wellness and all the positives and all this stuff. And he just kicks back and goes, let's do it. And uh, essentially he wrote a, a blank check. He's like, let's make this the best for our employees. So we built the state of the art gym at our corporate location there. And then we branched out to all the plants nationwide. We put mini gyms and we did, you know, challenges and all these different things, you know, over the almost nine years that I was there. And it was an amazing experience because I had never worked in a corporate environment like that. I mean, they, they had their stuff together. Uh, it's an amazing company, amazing people that work there. And I learned so much, you know, in my time there. And uh, that's where a lot of the stuff in fitness started to happen for me. I, I won the muscle and fitness uh, online male model challenge, which allowed me to go compete at the Olympia. And while I was there, I met Jamie Eason at the bodybuilding.com booth. And at the time she was like the fitness queen, you know, yeah. everybody knew her, you know, there was like a line that was like three hours long to meet her. And when I first met her, uh, she thought she knew me and she just kept saying oh you can make it in fitness you can make it in fitness gave me her number her agent's number and she's like i want you to sign up for the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel contest and at the time bodybuilding.com was king like there was nothing above it you couldn't just be an athlete like you had to win your way and be chosen and all this stuff yeah and so i signed up for it and i ended up you know, becoming one of the five and then i was signed to a contract and from there 
I kind of used their credibility to help bolster me and show that I belonged. I started writing articles and started speaking. I started doing all these things I could do, do what I could to grow in the fitness industry because everything on the corporate side was taken care of. You know, I had a great job and all my off time I spent trying to grow in the industry on the side. You know, I didn't have something where I had to you know, disregard my moral fortitude to make it. I did it my way, you know, in my own time. You know, people will sell their soul essentially to achieve something or gain something. And I never had to do that, luckily. But, you know, again, as I was at Poet, it was encouraging and, and allowed me to grow and develop and, you know, even sponsored me through events. And I became an athlete with American Ethanol and it was an amazing time. But, uh, you know, again, I never had any of those fears because I made more than enough money and everything was just a bonus. You know, so I had a good nine years of growth and building. Uh, without worry, which was awesome. And then from there, I went to a private equity company, which is the largest Verizon wireless retailer in the country. Um, and worked with a guy named Kevin Tupi there, another good friend of mine, amazing individual, uh, became close with his family. And I'm still close to the previous family, by the way. Um, it was time for something else. I moved on. Um, I talked to them, one of the family members, probably weekly, and uh, love all those guys, always will. But then went on to Kevin Kevin was a different type of education. So that was the other thing I was going to say earlier. When you talk about who I align myself with, I had this conversation today and it reminded me of this is the gentleman I was training today. So I do whole health fitness when I train somebody. So everything from their nutrition to their training and all that. So I've really gotten back into that again. For a while, I wasn't training in person for years. Yeah. And this guy is a CPA. He is an attorney, business attorney, and he owns a bunch of stuff in oil, right? And we, we talked about the education that I get every day working with people like him. I work with orthopedic surgeons, millionaires, billionaires, all these people every day. I work with a very high-end clientele. I work with athletes and actors and stuff like that. You know, imagine being surrounded by those people every day. And they're in your core group of people and what you can learn from them, how they make things, how they get there, how they get that. You ask them for advice, you know. And those are the people I would say I align myself with more than somebody that's on social media. The people that have really made an impact in business. So like Kevin, for instance, the Verizon person that I worked with next, he, uh, you know, he taught me all these different things, you know, about business and, you know, building things and commercial properties and all that. And now here I am, you know, we've got a gym coming up. It's being built right now. And when we first had our first meetings, the guy who's a big developer here, I knew his language because I sat with him those meetings previously with Kevin and I would hear all the things that he would say. You know, so not just being a fitness person, I was able to understand the business aspects and the building aspects and all the things that it took to open a gym because I've opened previous gyms. But the dynamic of what this guy was going to do, I understood because of somebody previously. So so anyway, that's long winded. But, uh, you know, from Kevin, uh, now I'm here in, in Texas. So <laughs> I love it. And it's just I mean, it's. uh you're just speaking to so many important things that I think people miss, you know what I mean? And that's one of the bigger reasons why we even do this podcast in the first place is because people look at social media and they're like, Oh yeah, Brandon, just a fitness guy. Look at the guy. He has nice abs. Cool. And it's like, what? No, like people are still humans behind that image. People are still humans behind that, that, uh, you know, curated kind of thing on social media that some of the younger generations or even, 
I mean, even people in your age group, I mean, and they look at it and they just think it's so easy, but there's a real person behind this. And like you're saying, being multifaceted and putting plans in a place and structuring a place so that you're not just having your eggs in one basket or you're not just depending on your image. Like if social media took a shit tomorrow, like what is your life and who are you and what are you going to do? Right. And that's like you didn't have social media to even start with. It was something that was a part of it. You said you even wish that you maybe wanted to get started sooner on it, but you didn't. And so how do you really like make, you know, when you put your phone down and you go out in the real world, what's going to be there for you? Right. Well, most, most people today, you know, essentially looking at the younger generation, they're like, well, I've got 700 friends. Well, those are online. Are they really your friends? You know, they don't understand the social dynamic of friendship and networking, all those other things often because, you know, they just have a bunch of random people following a page that they post pictures of cats on, you know, or something like that. You know, it's funny. You keep relating me to, you know, being a fitness person, which I am. I spend 90% of my life in the gym. I do every day. And, you know, for years, I would say, if you look at my social media, like I've got you know, a verified Facebook page with 300,000 followers. I wasn't posting anything. I was just throwing random memes on there, to be honest. <laughs> if you look at my Instagram for years, I was just essentially <laughs> posting memes. That's it. They even have a meme page because that's part of who I am too. I'm a fitness person at heart, but I'm also a person that likes to learn and laugh. And, you know, I love making people laugh. I love meeting people. I love networking. I love all those other things. So I've never taken my social media to try to utilize it for growth other than putting the things out there that I feel like posting that day. Like if you go into my stories every day, you're going to see my kid. <laughs> you're going to see probably what he's wearing that day. You may periodically see food. You may see, you'll see some memes for sure. Um, but often if I post a supplement, you know, I posted a, a friend of mine, I asked him about a supplement that Joe Rogan keeps preaching, which is alpha brain. Mm -hmm. And he sent me a ton of stuff from on it. You know, and I posted about it because I was touched, you know, that he sent me something. And to me, I feel like I'm so far removed from fitness, even though I'm in fitness, because I'm not pushing, you know, me standing with my shaker every day, like, Yay. <laughs> like that only sells for so long. And so when I talk about those things, I talk about them genuinely because that's something I use. Like, you know, these guys, you know, all the arms race products and everything, I take them every day. You know, they send supplements to my child. They... You know, and so when I talk about it, I'm talking about because I'm really using it. And mm -hmm. I've been offered sponsorships. I had, you know, uh, First Form not long ago was offering me, you know, one of their whatever top tier, whatever it is. And I'm not interested in that anymore. I did all that. Um, so now when I have stuff, and First, First Form is a great, great company too. No knocks on them. But I'm not in that place in my life anymore, you know, where I want to do those things and promote those things and, and all that. So. If social media went away today, as you were talking about, I would, I would be just fine because I have so many positive. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, and I still post on stuff, but mm -hmm. it's still a way to connect. But I have more fulfilling interpersonal relationships. People always ask me like, oh, man, I bet you go out all the time and you do this and this and this. And I don't. Yeah. I'm a homebody. Yeah. I think people just assume that I'm always off doing something or I get invited. Often I'm never invited to anything, to be honest. People just don't invite me probably assume that, you know, I already have something, but, you know, I train six to 12 sessions a day, hour sessions, you know, every day. And so when I'm doing that, I get to hang out with my friends, so to speak, you know, they're my clients, but they become my friends. And I've been so lucky and blessed to have so many amazing individuals find me, so to speak, like we find each other. I feel like I've always been so, I mean, 
again, the word blessed to have individuals that I can help and that I connect with and they connect with me on a different level beyond just picking up a weight. You know, uh, you have very intimate conversations about life and your family and all this other stuff. So by the time the day is at end, I'm fulfilled. You know, I don't need to go party. I don't, you know, I don't drink. I don't need any of that stuff because I've had a great day with a lot of great people. And that's what my days look like. For sure. Did you, have you ever drank? Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I even had an alter ego named Cliff in my twenties. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, Cliff, Cliff was a good time. Um, there's a movie called Dead Man on Campus with Mark Pox, Paul Gossler, the guy that was Zach Morris. Mm-hmm. There's this guy named Cliff and he's absolutely crazy. So <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'd get very excited and very happy, not violent or mad or mean or anything like that. Just, just very excited. Just wanted to talk to all the people. So, um, I stopped drinking when I started to compete. I started to compete when I was 30 and it just wasn't conducive to success anymore. You know, Mm -hmm. Uh, it wasn't something I enjoyed. It's something that, you know, I felt like shit in the morning and then I'd have to train or this, that, you know, and I'm like, this just doesn't work. So in the last 13 years, I've probably drank. And when I say drink, I've maybe had a couple beers, maybe four or five times, maybe. And it's just not not my thing. Don't don't enjoy it. It's not a bad thing. Do you have no. a favorite uh, Cliff story? Um, I think it was because my of my personality that I could just get away with things. You know, mm-hmm. being from South Dakota, and you know, I worked in bars and stuff too. By the way, I was a bartender for many years and a bouncer. Oh. Um, <laughs> I think I think probably one of the best was just walking behind a bar and making my own drinks and then making drinks for other people while the bartender was over on the other side of the bar and they let me get away with it, you know, because I would always tip big and I was always, I wasn't a threat, you know, I was just fun. So, you know, I just was allowed to probably do things that other people probably would get thrown out for just because I always treated people with respect. I was just me times about 35 <laughs> and a big smile. So trouble is what we call that. Yes, I was. I was that. Um, <laughs> and I would always say, I do what I want, is what I would always say as Cliff. I do what I want. But Cliff, Cliff, is, Cliff is retired. I like Cliff. <laughs> yeah. um, and so personal relationships, uh, life, corporate life, fitness, kind of whatever you do is hard. Um, throwing relationships into that. You've been married before? I was um, married. Yep. Uh, we were married for almost nine years. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have officially divorced what I lose track of time a year or so ago, something like that. So, um, I see her just about every day, probably, Um, you know, just having that positive relationship for my son, my son's five, he'll turn six this weekend. Mm -hmm. And other than work, you know, I mean, he's, he's my guy, you know, he's my, my mom was actually married seven times. And, uh, you know, I remember how I felt in a lot of those situations and, you know, I try to really make sure that he's always happy and healthy and protected um, in the long term, you know, from any traumas or, or pain or anything like that. So that's but, a big deal. That's a big responsibility. I mean, I think that, you know, there's things in my upbringing and coming from split families and things like that that actually even keep me from wanting to be a parent. Uh, which I don't know if that's a good thing, but, you know, my therapist can figure that out. But yeah. um, for you, that's a that's a big responsibility to take on. But it seems like you take it seriously, that you enjoy being a father. It, I mean, you look at the picture of you guys and your kids and you're hanging them here out on your arm. And 
it's pretty awesome. It seems like the relationship that you guys have been able to develop. Yeah, my son, he uh, he's awesome. You know, he's very smart. He's in kindergarten right now. Uh, you know, I'm a different type of parent. I don't, I'm not super strict. I'm strict because when I put the law down, like he listens, right? But we're, we very much do things together. You know what I mean? So if I'm doing something with him and, and stuff like that, then he's not off getting into trouble. Trust me, he gets into trouble all the time. But overall, in general, like he, he knows what I expect, what my expectations are, and he falls in line with that. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest, like one, I didn't think I was going to be a parent. I never did. And as I got older, I really didn't think I was going to be a parent. And then when I became a parent, um, you know, I was 38 years old when he was born. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know how to be a dad at all. I didn't connect with him right away. The idea of him was exciting. And then when he came, I'm like, the hell am I doing? Right. Mm -hmm. And his mom was an instantaneous mom. Like she just connected and clicked with it. And, you know, that first year was very hard. You know, um, trying to learn to connect, how to handle a kid that's pissed off all the time, you know, stuff like that. The kid's not sleeping. Mm -hmm. And then eventually one day it just clicks. It's like they recognize you and you recognize them back. And then from there it just grows and it gets better. You know, at night I'll lay down with my son and, you know, he's telling me stories and he's asking me questions and telling me what he knows. You know, he'll be in the back backseat of the car. One of the best things ever is when your kid tells you about his day. You know, and he's just telling you stories about this, this, and this. And his first week of school, he got in a fight at school. Oh, no. um, he's in karate, and that's giving him a ton of confidence. But I'm in the front seat, and he's got a friend, and uh, this friend was being picked on by the bully, as he called him. And he's the big kid. Oh, and I'm like, well, what happened? And he goes, well, he, just nonchalant. He goes, oh, you had him on the ground, and he wouldn't. Run and I go, well, what did you do? He goes, well, I kicked him. Oh. I said, well, what did he do then? And he goes, well, he stopped. I said, were you, I said, were you scared? And he said, no. I said, well, what then, what happened then? He goes, well, he grabbed him again by his head. I said, well, what'd you do? He goes, I kicked him again harder. And I go, well, what'd he do? He goes, he stopped this time. <laughs> and then he went, and then we colored. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's, that's how things are. Got in a fight and then colored. Okay. But then I had to have this talk with him, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, hell yes. Yes. <laughs> That's my kid. <laughs> yeah. But I had the talk. I said, if people pick on you, you can stand up for yourself and you can stand up for your friends. I said, but I don't want you to pick fights. Don't pick fights. Avoid them if you can. Um, but, you know, whether a parent agrees or not, he, uh, he can stand up for himself. I'm not going to let him be bullied and picked on and you know, all that other stuff. I don't want him to be a timid adult and I want him to stand up for what he believes in and what he thinks and, you know, what he cares about. And, uh, you know, violence doesn't play into that, but not allowing violence to take over you is a part of that. And I'm not going to let him be, you know, a victim to other people and things and ideas. Um, I want to be very strong-minded and a strong individual that he can take care of himself. And I'll be honest, that's where I'm at in my life now. It sounds weird and People talk about life expectancy and all this other stuff, right? You know, when I was younger, I always said I would I would die young. No, no lie. You can even ask my ex because she drove her crazy. But I never felt I was. I never saw myself as like a ninety-year-old. I just yeah. didn't. You know, I was like, I was still in cliff phase. I'm like, we're just going to burn out. This is going to be great. But now, I have things to teach, and I have things to be there for. You know, and 
Now I'm like, you know, please God, let me get to 65. Well, let me get to 70. If I have 30 years with my son, I will have left him with enough that I know he'll be okay, you know? And so that's my mindset now, you know, when, when it comes to weight training and cardio and all that, it's, it's all about longevity now. It's not having the biggest shoulders and being the strongest and all that other stuff. Um, now I just tell people to Google me, just check out, <laughs> check out what I did. Um, but, but overall, it's, it's about being here for him. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, and you know, there are those challenges like you're saying, but to be able to foster and lead and teach are a lot of the things that, you know, you did as a human and you did when you didn't have those resources and you sought those out. It so seems like, um, and kind of, I think you do, you speak with a lot of youth, right? Yep. I haven't in a while, um, um, with COVID and, and all that other stuff. Yeah. Um, in the past, I would speak at colleges, high schools, um, kids on reservations, kids on lockdown, stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, and a, a lot of the, the stuff I talk about when I first started speaking, I was speaking sociology classes and stuff. And a lot of it was more so about, you know, just fitness, fitness stuff and diet. Right. Mm-hmm. And I would always have everything up on the, on the board and I would just kind of read a script. And I realized that wasn't my speaking style. My speaking style was just talking about what I know and what I'm passionate about. And instead of having words, I put pictures, you know, up on a board and go through my PowerPoint. And I just talk about whatever it is I'm talking about that day. A lot of times it's overcoming, you know, adversity and, and being your best self and uh, achieving things and, you know, finding your, your own greatness because we all have greatness within us and just really trying to give them a different mindset that if I can do the things that I've done, things that I never expected to have happen, you most definitely, especially at a younger age and starting now can do the things that you want to do. And I fully enjoy that. I unfortunately haven't had much time in quite a while to do that. Um, but, but I will be getting back into that after the gym opens, I'll I'll start speaking at some of the schools here and stuff like that. Well, it's funny too, because, you know, we hop on here and it's like, if I didn't know, I think who you were and for our YouTube viewers here and our audio listeners, I'm sorry, maybe hop on the YouTube. (laughs) If I didn't know anything about like your aesthetic or your fitness history, like I wouldn't even assume there's like muscles underneath your sweater. (laughs) Like I'm like, this guy's still there. (laughs) Are they still there? Are you sure? Yeah, they're still there. I, 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 it's funny. I I got in the point where I, you know, I wear t-shirts sometimes to work. Um, you know, my aesthetics are still there. I'm not quite as big as I was and I maintain a good physique year round without trying. Mm-hmm. Um, and by not trying, I don't go crazy like I used to, you know, lifting for two hours a day and cardio and eating seven meals. I actually fast all day now and I eat all my food within about a four to five hour window. Um, and I've done that for the last few years because it, it works for me in my schedule. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying fasting is the best thing or whatever. I'm not saying that yeah. it works for me. And you know, the, the fitness thing, I know even at, you know, I turned 43 in October, even at 43, like I can still improve if I want to, I can still get bigger. I can still do a lot of those things. Um, last year I set a goal. I was going to do a few photo shoots for myself, you know, at 42 leading to 43. And then I got COVID. Um, and that was a setback cause I was right into the, the building phase. And then I got COVID again, nine months later. Um, so it went on hold, but now I've been in a great position again. So right after the new year, I've got some goals set for myself and I'll get, get back after it. Yeah. 
That's very cool. And the personal goals are important. Um, obviously, <laughs> kind of everyone knows that. But really looking at yourself in your life and like, what's going to actually bring me fulfillment? Not what's going to bring me stature? What's going to bring me, you know, other people's respect and things like that? I mean, you said you're doing a photo shoot for yourself, right? Yes. Like, and that's a really empowering thing, right? Like going in and doing it and preparing your physique. Would you recommend that other people do that as well for themselves? And what do you feel like that brings you interpersonally? you know, goals and stuff. So you got to think I've done so many photo shoots, you know, over the years with so many of the most amazing photographers out there and video shoots and, and all that stuff. For me, I just have to have a specific goal to push myself to a different limit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, a photo shoot is that, and maybe I'll do a video shoot. I don't know, but will I even do a photo shoot? Who's to say, I don't know. But I'll train like I am and I'll get myself in that kind of shape um, for that. I was talking about goals with a client this morning. You know, we went through a cut phase where he went from 225 pounds and he dropped all the way to like 184 over the course of months. And he looked great. Well, his birthday hit. That was his goal. Then after that, it was summer. And then he started to slowly step away from what he was doing. And then fall comes and then I'm going to get back on track. I'm going to get back on track. And let's go into a building phase and then he hasn't been consistent. And then today we had a talk. It's like, okay, I'm way heavier than I want to be. I'm way heavier than what I told him he should be. And he knows that if he doesn't turn it around now, he's going to get closer to where he was when he started. Yeah. And he has a goal set in the spring, you know, for what he essentially had last year. He wanted to be, you know, he wanted a six pack and he wanted to be the best he's ever been. And he was already the best he's ever been last year. But now he wants to take it past that. And so for any individual, I always tell people, you got to set now goals and then take your time leading up to a big goal. Because like if you were just to go to an average individual and be like, let's do show prep. All right. You're going to be perfect starting today all the way to a show. Now, that means your diet's perfect. Your cardio is perfect. Supplementation is perfect. Workouts are perfect. And it sucks every day. Right. And you're not used to that. <laughs> So it's like somebody that, you know, drinks 12 cans of soda a day. I don't tell them to quit all 12, cut it in half, mm-hmm. wean your way down. The same thing with getting ready for something, change one or two habits and take yourself up slowly as your body gets used to it. Because once you get used to eating a certain way, it gets easier. Once you get used to working out, once you get used to cardio, once you get used to these things over time, you incrementally put it in there. Because if you, if you throw it all at once, that rate of change diminishes. You can't necessarily tell what's working and what doesn't, Right. Um, you know, so I'm very particular with myself and with others when we're goal setting is set them for now, set them for midterm, set them for long-term and let's meet them as we go. Let's, let's win every day. As long as you're moving forward at all, even baby steps. And I I tell people all the time, I, I say baby steps, because if you're even baby stepping, baby stepping for a year is going to take you a whole hell of a lot further than trying to take these giant leaps. Same thing when it comes to sponsorships and all these other things. If you baby step your way there and do the right things to get there, you're going to get there and stay there. If you keep jumping forward and assuming that things are going to happen for you because of what you've done once or haven't done or what you look like, likely you're not going to stay there or ever get there. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing with goals in general. If you don't baby step your way or know how you got there, up the, the rings of you know ladders on the way up, let's say you fall back. Well, if you just jumped ahead and you fall, there's nothing to catch you. You're just going to keep falling. Cause you don't know how the hell to get back to where you were. 
Totally. Well, in any, you, you can give someone the best plan possible, but if someone's not willing to learn it or to ask questions or to be observant um, and to really be able to connect to it, yeah, they're going to get results. They might get the best results they've ever gotten, but what, what are they going to be able to take away from that? Right. Or, or to follow it or trust it also. So that's the other thing that people do is one, they do one of two things. They either don't trust somebody enough or they trust somebody too much. And, that's another epidemic of sorts in the fitness industry where there's so many unknowledgeable people that are giving up programs and plans and diet advice and drug advice and all these things and they're ruining people and they don't they don't know their head from their ass they don't know what they're doing i had a conversation with somebody just two days ago about somebody you know that's a trainer and they told me all the stuff that they did to him i'm like jesus christ like it's still happening it's still going on you know and it's it's something that's that's terrible so People in general, even the people I work with, I always tell them, question everything I tell you to do. Look it up. If I tell you to take vitamin C, look up why. Do the, do the research yourself. And the same thing with other people. If you're hiring a business coach, you know, look into their method, methodologies. Ask for referrals. You know, look at what they've done and accomplished on their own. You know, look in, and make sure it's actually real. Look at their social media and make sure it's not bought followers and bought likes. You know, really investigate the things that you invest your time in and the people that you listen to. Because again, often people just want to jump ahead and like, oh, I'm going to hire so-and-so and I'm either going to be a pro or I'm going to be this or exactly what happened to them is going to happen to me. Or they'll hire a coach that essentially has what I call workhorses where you've got these four or five athletes that are, I mean, they could have just woke up in the morning and got on a stage and won. They're just God gifted athletes, right? Mm -hmm. And then they have the whole other group of people over here that nobody sees. That's the bigger part of their business but they lead with this one or three athletes, right? You can't tell me that somebody like a Hani Rambad who's had Nicole Wilkins and Phil Heath and Jay Cutler and all these other people, when people see that, they're like, holy hell, I wanna train with him, right? Mm -hmm. Do you suppose all of his athletes look that way? Maybe, maybe not. He's obviously also one of the most accredited people creating you know, people that win Olympias and stuff like that, but not everybody looks like that. They could all be successful in their own right, in their own way, but what unfortunately people do is they look at Jay Cutler and think, well, I train with him. I'm going to be Jay Cutler. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're more likely going to get realistic results and be like the, the bigger stable of people that they work with. Does that make sense? Totally. And it's like, I'm not going to be a Jay Cutler. I'm going to be a better version of myself. Yes. And I think people overlook the respect to give to themselves literally about their own journeys and what they can accomplish as uh, you know, their personal endeavors. And I'm sure you deal with this within your own clients. Like, everyone's a little different. You work with affluent clients, you work with CEOs, you work with this and that and the other, but kind of that common theme across clients. And I guess, you know, I would like to say that I look at it this, this way as well is those personal victories. Like we can have you kind of have an idea. We can have you set a date for a goal. Are we going to achieve that goal by that date? Maybe not. And that's the reality of it. We can have that goal and goals are flexible and they're malleable and we can change whenever we're going to accomplish them based on the quality of the results that we get on the daily. And, and as long as coaches say that, that's the problem too. People yeah. need to respect, first of all, like Jay Cutler is special, period. Jay Cutler is special. Bill Heath is special. Mm -hmm. They have work ethic like you've never seen. So they have all these special aspects of them when it comes to their mental game, but then they're also special physically too. You know, I, I could do everything Jay Cutler did and not be Jay Cutler. You know, I mean, Jay Cutler is special in so many regards. And so many of the top people in our industry are, are special people. 
with special abilities, special mindset, and everything else. The thing is, is one, people in general need to respect that. And coaches that are training them need to respect that. And then coaches need to be realistic and they need to be honest with their clients. And that's often, it's not, that's something that doesn't always happen. And what happens is, is they want the paycheck. So you're like, no, just keep going six more months. Just, just keep going, right? Just keep writing me a check and we're going to get exactly there. Well, if you're not adhering, you know, you, let's say you're working with somebody that they're, no matter what they do, they just, they just don't have the ge genetics matter. You can overcome a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I mean, a lot of that stuff through hard work and nutrition and all that stuff. But again, when I talk about special people, you're not necessarily going to look like somebody else. You're going to look like you, the best version of you. Mm -hmm. Um, but they bypass a lot of things like hormones and, and all these things that are, are very important. And they could have a you know person come to them that they run into the ground that already had a thyroid disorder or they had this or that or whatever, and nothing was corrected. And then they put them on this. 700 calorie plan with two hours of cardio every day and you know just makes makes matters worse yeah you lost you lost body fat you lost you know muscle too and you're in a state now that you're, you're almost yeah you're lighter but are, are you better off now or are you better off before when you were still generally healthy you know um so what i'm saying in general is just people in general need to stand up for themselves they need to be educated on their own they need to look into things and coaches need to be upfront and honest with people. If a person's not ready to be on stage, you tell them if a person isn't ever going to look like such and such, a good coach can look at somebody and be like, you're probably not going to look like that, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but being honest and upfront with expectations. And like I said, just too often the expectations are set too high and it's, it's unattainable. Just a person not going to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you guys are hearing this from, you know, an incredible fitness trainer, somebody who's been in the space, somebody who has a business background, who understands how money works and how business structure works. You're hearing it from him. Challenge your coach, challenge the people that you're looking to for information, become an informed customer. Don't just go to some company and throw $500,000 at them or walk into GNC and blow a bunch of money on something that you don't even understand why you're putting in your body. I think a bigger thing people overlook is that this is your health and it has ramifications. I mean, everything you do, whether it's how long you sit at your desk, whether it's who you associate with, whether it's the food you put in your body. I mean, ask those questions and give yourself the dignity and the respect to like not have those instant results, right? Take those baby steps and do the things, align yourself in a process and commit to it and see what you can do with something maybe you've never done before or with the guidance of someone you've never been able to understand until now, because you started asking those things or doing those things. And uh, Brandon, like you're saying, I mean, that's where quality results come from. That's where sustainability comes from. That's where being able to maintain results comes from. Um, and sometimes too, the things that we seek physically are really not physical things we seek physically. They're mental and emotional things. You know, I've, I've, uh, I've got two clients I'm going to bring up real fast. I've got a, a guy named Brandon Downs, one of my best friends in the world now. Mm -hmm. And we won the overall um, in, in uh, his physique class in North Americans to go pro. And, uh, you know, he questions the hell out of me with stuff, you know, and he'll be very adamant, you know, like he loves to lift heavy, heavy weight, low reps, you know, certain things and there's certain things, certain parts of our prep and stuff. I try to pull them in different directions. And from a nutrition standpoint, it's, it's always, 
a negotiation between us because we have two people that are both intelligent, a person that's very well versed in fitness, which is him and myself. And we come together and we check, check our work, so to speak. We have a great relationship that way. And that's what training should be. It should be two individuals coming to terms on what it is. And, you know, if you hire a high end trainer, you have to trust in the process, but you still should be able to discuss the process and the whys and the hows and everything else. And, you know, he does that all the time and he still trusts me and he still does, you know what I say, but there's also times where sometimes with a client, you know, there's coaches that are, you have to be all in on this or whatever. And I believe things can be a little more negligible than that. Meaning, um, you know, we're, we're in a peak week right now with a girl and she wants almond milk in her coffee. And I'm like, you know, that's fine. Whether we go over our calories for the day or not, what's good for the mind is going to be good for your week. You know, some things trump that. And so with him, we have to sometimes come to terms on those things. And sometimes I'll pull back on what he's like, I'd rather do this. And I'll be like, okay, how about I give you some of this and then we'll do this. And then we go, okay. You know, whereas the girl that's competing this week, she, she has a pro physique. She's trusted me for two straight years. Uh, her name's Sam McNamara. Um, I give her shit year round and I'll look at her in the gym. I'll be like, so 14th place today. That's cool. You know, uh, kind of writer, you know, like a brother would, but she trusts in my process. Uh, and she asks pertinent questions when she needs to, you know, she, she knows a lot on her own. Um, but she does trust in me. And when I keep saying trust, that means that they're not going to other outlets and individuals. That's one of the worst things I think you can do is when you hire somebody for what they know, and then you go ask six other people what they think, because that messes up that whole relationship. And what I'm saying in general, if you could just have a, a whole and collective relationship with your trainer or coach and be honest with each other, hundred percent and discuss things, you have a fantastic working relationship. The second you take another body out here and you put it into the mix, over here talking in your ear, you start to pull away from what you had here that was so great. And then you have two people and three people and you're like, well, how do I look today? And what do you think of this? And they're like, well, I wouldn't do this. Nobody is wholly and collectively gonna ever agree with each other. It just doesn't happen, you know, especially coaches. You know, a lot of coaches out there have their own egos and stuff like that and they know best. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm saying in general is, you know, she trusts me, she asks questions, he asks more questions. So in general, I think that that's where people need to be. They just need to, to form better relationships with each other and really uh, expect honesty um, and give honesty. Well, and if you're upset about it and you're upset about someone like coming to you and asking questions or you feel like attacked, there are definitely times where I think clients don't know how to ask the right questions and it does feel like an attack. And then they're like, actually like, Hey, F you. Um, hopefully you're not in that situation. Hopefully you don't find yourself in that situation. I mean, any coach, but Sometimes if you feel like your ruffles or your feathers are getting ruffled, you have to check your ego too. You yep. have to say like, why am I upset? Why is this? If you feel like this person's coming at you and you don't have an answer, maybe ask yourself not why is this person coming at me? It's like, why don't I have an answer? Why don't I feel equipped to provide this client or provide this person with the information that they're seeking? And why am I all pissed off about it? Yep. Because if that's true, you're probably like you as the coach are probably not doing something correctly. There's uh, there's a couple of coaches out there that are on my list, so to speak, that I have absolutely zero respect for. And uh, a lot of it comes with how they treat people, um, how they manipulate people, how they you know get people to buy into BS, so to speak. And then when those people get messed up from whatever it is and whatever protocol they were put on and they start asking questions about doctors and this and this, they're like, oh, no, 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 
I can fix that. No, you can't. You, you know, you shouldn't be training in general. Um, and then when people are, are talking about going to professional for help because of something that you did while you manipulated them, and then you try to talk them out of that, I got, I have zero respect for that. Uh, you know, one thing about being a trainer or a coach or in competing or in general is, you know, your client's health is number one, you know, to do no harm is your job. And, uh, and I'm not talking about a hard leg day, you know, I'm saying in general, just, you shouldn't be doing things that really could could hurt an individual especially without their knowledge and understanding you know and i'll be honest drugs are a part of the, the higher end of, of the scope of of competing and um you know when it comes to those discussions and talks i'm not the person who's going to say well a person shouldn't do this and this and this it's it's a conversation on this is what this does this is what that does if that's what you decide to do this is where it can lead you this is where it can lead you you're going to have to make that decision because I'm never going to be the individual that's going to tell somebody that they have to take something or not, mm-hmm. or they won't win or they can't win with me or they can't train with me. That's just not going to happen ever. That's very respectable. I think there's a lot of people in the space that are just like, no, nah, you just have to do it. Just dive in, do it. Yeah. And it's like, okay, at a certain level, you know, but um, I mean, it's really about helping that individual be the best that they can be and work with what they have. And then if they do have to seek out other things, I mean, even supplements, a supplement conversation should be taken seriously because that does can go towards somebody's health. I mean, it's food, right? Like very basics. So it's very respectable. Um, As far as, (laughs) and I mean, I keep looking at your sweater and so it's like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about fucking nuts. (laughs) Tell me about fucking nuts. Uh, it's about four years old. It, uh, you know, I've loved peanut butter my whole life. Growing up, my grandma always made me peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And like I said, I had that harder upbringing. And uh, so it was something that was just always special. And, you know, when you get into competing, it's like peanut butter is like a gift of God <laughs> on your plan. And when I was really doing a lot in fitness, all these peanut butter brands always sent me stuff. The first was Nuts and More, and I was actually one of their very first athletes um, right before they went on Shark Tank, and I still have good positive relationships you know, with them. Great people, great company. I'm, I'm very proud to see of, you know, where they're going. Uh, they're partnered with Mark Cuban, you know, and they're, they're doing awesome stuff. And, uh, you know, over the years, I just was a peanut butter connoisseur, you know, I ate tons of peanut butter. I mean, like a jar a day, literally, I eat tons of peanut butter. And people kept saying, well, why don't you start a brand? And I was like, sure. And about a year before I did, I was talking about it, but it never came to be. And then the year I did it uh, was my New Year's resolution. I said, I'm going to start a peanut butter company this year. No idea what the hell I was doing, to be honest. And so first it started with a logo competition. And it was funny because my actual logo um, has superman colors and i was saying superman was so important to me and this person didn't know who i was in the competition and they the flexing peanuts and everything and i'm like that's the logo and then i came up with the catchphrase eat the whole jar um which i like that and with my name you know Foken, Foken nuts it just it rang um the name it's funny because Foken Strong Training is my training business, which came from uh, that ethanol company. One of their daughters came up with that, actually. Uh, so I still owe her credit for that. <laughs> but, you know, Foken Nuts, um, 
I did that. And then I had to figure out how to get labels made. I had to find somebody that could make it because I didn't, I didn't have a factory or anything. I didn't know how to make peanut butter. I had to learn all of that. Um, so then I went on my search, uh, to get all the things I needed to make peanut butter. And then, uh, from there it was, I, I brought in a team to do, you know, the website and all this stuff. Cause I don't know how to do any of that stuff. And yeah, so I, I launched five flavors to start. It was, um, cookies and cream, cookie dough, um, and then crunchy, smooth and brownie were my five, five starters. You're like make me so hungry. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, you know, we've, we've probably have done around 50 or so. And, you know, we've got all five-star reviews. We've been Olympic sponsors, bobsled, skeleton, uh, pro athletes, actors, influencers. I mean, we've had so many people in in write-ups. And again, it's something I run on the side. It's something that I run off my phone during the day. Um, I got some help uh, with, I've got a, a tech guy that does my internet stuff when I need help. Uh, people, you know, doing the stuff at the factory. And then I've got a guy named Tim that helps um, with everything else that I need. Um, You know, it's been fun. I planned originally, I wanted to do do it for five years and see where it went. Mm -hmm. And where I'm at now, and I'm doing the the pet uh, peanut butter now. I I talked about that before. Peanut butter? Yep, yep. So that's a different company. That's Jay Cutler's company. Okay. And, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, been a, a small part of that and that, that has a massive opportunity right now to do a lot of great things. And so now I'm, I'm sitting here at Foca Nuts and I'm, I'm deb- I've been debating for probably six months on selling the brand actually. Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't love it. It's not that I don't love the products or anything like that. Yeah. But when you look at time and energy and where I'm going, you know, we're opening this gym. It's an 18,000 square foot gym. It's a big investment. I'm already looking at a second location uh, with my partners that I'd love to have up in the next year. Um, you know, I still do my in-person training. We launched Pop Fitness, which is our online uh, training protocol. Um, uh, Sam, the girl that's competing actually this week, she and I are partners in that. And then we have some other uh, amazing athletes that, that train with us. Mm-hmm. Um, the pet stuff, my son is number one, my own training. You know, and then being able to get out there and speak and all this stuff. And I've been been also looking um, to start a supplement company here sometime in the future too. I've got I've got a name for it. Um, we've got a logo. We've kind of got a supplement lined together already. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm actually looking for another individual to partner with on that. One of the first people, uh, unfortunately, had to back out of the deal. So. So we're sitting on that. So I, I want to find another individual for that. And then, like I said, uh, nuts may be up for sale in the new year. We'll see. But um, the flavors are amazing. I eat way too much of it. Um, way too much. I, I literally eat almost a jar a day right now. I used to eat over a jar every single day. Do you have you know, a favorite I, flavor right now? It, it, it all like depends on the day. Literally, it's funny, uh, butterscotch is one of my favorites. So we take quinoa and we put it in this butterscotch flavor. So it's almost like a rice crispy butterscotch. So that one is a favorite. Um, cookie dough, cookies and cream. I like the regular crunchy brownie. Um, you're killing me s'mores is another favorite. Um, you know, I, I literally, we have so many flavors that what I do is I, I, I call them sampling. If you go look at my nightstand, I always have like, like six jars 
there that I kind of go back and forth to. Um, but I love them all. Obviously, when you spend time, you know, making these things, it, uh, you know, I, I like um, I was eating peanut butter cup last night. And I truly believe that our peanut butter cup is better than the Reese's peanut butter cup, not the candy, but their spread. I don't think their spread matches their, their candy bar, but I think our spread actually does. So, um, but I'm biased. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we've got, we've got that, just a ton of fun flavors. And we'll send you some after this, this interview too. I would love that. We'll do a whole video just sitting here trying peanut butters. <laughs> yeah. I should have just had a jar right here and, uh, what the hell? Just eat it the whole time I'm talking. What business owner you are. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty exciting. Um, you got a lot of stuff going on, and it's and it's neat to be able to, you know, I know for myself, uh, our team, or your followers, our community, be able to kind of watch you um, just grow and expand and share your knowledge and your expertise. And, like, you have access to people and resources that some people only dream of, right? And the best part is you're not like, oh, yeah, it's just me. It's like, how can I share and expand and elevate my community and the people who look to me for guidance in the way that these other people have elevated me and led me to? Yeah. And I think that's one of the bigger, uh, very respectable things about you. You know, like when we sit here and we look at podcast guests, like, who do we want to talk to and why? Um, you know, in this soul friends community and, and someone like yourself and Brandon, it's, it's been just, I mean, honestly, an honor to be able to share or for you to share and for us to listen about what you do and how you do it. It's really unique. It's something that I think that a lot of people, whether you're in the fitness space or business space or otherwise can look up to you and look to you for guidance, follow you for some sweet memes. I mean, you seem to have a good sense of humor, so, you yes. know, follow his meme account, not his fitness account. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, it's not really, it's, it's a me account now. It's, it's <laughs> I don't, I don't post much on my wall. Um, you know, and when you, when you're giving me all these accolades and stuff, realize when I talk about some of the best things that are in my life, the networking and the connecting and everything like that, when you talk about people not having access to people like that, that's what you're doing. You're connecting people with the same like-minded type of people that I connect with on a daily basis. Right. So mm -hmm. through you, you are connecting thousands of other individuals with people like me or the people that I know or the people that so-and-so knows and, and all these other people. So the service that you're doing is invaluable because at the end of the day, people don't ever understand like how much somebody impacts them. There's people in my life that literally have said a sentence to me that impacted my life greater than people I've known my whole life. Right. And some, somebody may hear this today and they hear something I say and they run with it. You know, I've heard some pretty crazy stories over the years where people came to meet me and they're like, well, this one time you said this, or, you know, I had an individual drive hours and hours and hours to meet me to say he was on the verge of committing suicide. But what I was saying day to day connected with him to the point where he was inspired to keep living. You know, when we, when you hear something like that, when I first got a platform, I thought I had to say things that affected the masses. Right. So I was always speaking to the masses. And then I had a conversation with a friend that pointed out a lot of the positive things that, that happened to me. People that would come tell me, you know, one in 10,000 has the opportunity to come tell you that you impacted their life. Mm -hmm. You think if you just put out the message for the one, as opposed to the masses, that one individual that needs to hear it will hear it and it could change your life. And when you speak to the one, the masses get the message too. And that's what you're doing through your platform is you're taking the one 
and the next one and the next one, and you're putting it out to the masses and we share, you know, this message together because you're the one asking the questions, you know, and so you're impacting people too. So don't discredit that. Well, <laughs> well thank you. And, and that's, I, I appreciate that you can see that too, you know, and that's the biggest thing is, and two, a lot of times we spend a lot of this podcast talking about social media, we talk about interactions, like you guys, if you're listening to this, literally, like, it's just one like, you don't need a bunch, you don't need a bunch of followers, like, don't forget that the people who are following on social media are real people. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter if you have 200 followers, or 500,000 or more, one person is what it's about. And if you had those people in a room, and if you had 500 people in a room, how different would you act? What would you actually say? How would you present yourself? And what type of person would you be in your life if those people on your phone were actually there in person? You yep. know? And I don't know. I don't know if you have anything more to say on that. It's just, it's a pretty emotional kind of thing, at least in my heart. It's a, it's a pretty deep thing. So, you know, when people look at that stuff right now, and I told you like a lot of the fitness people have kind of fizzled out when it comes to branding and, and marketing and selling things. And again, I'm not saying all, but I'm saying a lot. Yeah. The people that are lifestyle, the people that are credible, the people that share their lives day in and day out, the, the laundry soap they use. And of course they've learned ways to market that and, you know, capitalize on their followings as they grew one. Mm -hmm. But the people that are more themselves are the people that have the staying power, the people that are sharing their own messages. Like, you know, I've been around for, I'll say 12 years, and here I am still on a podcast because <laughs> somebody found me relevant enough to talk to them. You know what I mean? But that's only ever been me just sharing what I think and my message and you know, putting what I think out there, whether it be a meme or my son or, you know, posting my Christmas lights or whatever it may be, right? Because that's authentic because it's who I am. And would you rather have people follow you for who you are or who you're not at the end of the day? Because carrying on a lie day in and day out for years isn't something that I or I would hope anybody else would want to do. Mm -hmm. And if that means you face adversities and it means you face the shit in life, like that's just welcome it. It's not an obstacle unless you let it be. Um, and, you know, there's that saying, let the obstacle become the way. Let yep. your adversities, you know, shape you into becoming bigger and better and rising and leading by example and, and share your story. People, you never know who's listening or the little eyes that are watching, you can say too. Yes. Having so, a fiber can say that. <laughs> exactly exactly um brandon how do people connect with you how i mean website social media what's best uh probably instagram i'm on there the most at brandon Foken. um uh that's probably the best facebook my athlete page i still i go on and i post something and i'm off of there mm -hmm. facebook my personal page i i get a lot of requests i just i don't recognize somebody i don't add them um, so pretty much Instagram. Otherwise, um, that's probably it. That's probably the best way. Okay. And for our audio listeners, I'm going to spell this out for you. It's B-R-A-N-D-A-N-F-O-K-K-E-N. Um, as far as training, how can people, you know, follow your guidance in the fitness space? You know, in the fitness space, you know, when you talk about guidance and stuff, people can always message me and ask me questions first and foremost. 
-hmm. I try to always respond to anybody that writes to me specifically with a question. Um, Not a, hey, how are you? Yeah. (laughs) uh, You can go to Pop Fitness, which is our uh, Instagram page. And there is a, right on my Instagram, you can see Pop Fitness on there. Uh, That's our fitness space that we're just really now launching. we got a great team of individuals. So whether you're looking for you know, macros or show prep, um, just lifestyle training, or, or just want to lose a few pounds, whatever it may be, um, you know, feel free to hit us up through there. Cool. Do you guys have any challenges for the new year's or, um, anything going on that way? We haven't set anything up because I've been putting the gym together and then she's, she just competed, um, a few weeks ago and now she's competing again. Yeah. She's got two young kids. I've got my kids, so we're going to enjoy the holidays. So I would say probably, We'll get working in, in the new year on stuff. Um, we currently have three three other trainers. We got a, a another bikini pro who's also a nurse, um, and then we have a figure pro, and then we have a, another bodybuilder uh, guy as a, a second guy trainer. Uh, so we've got a, a great team of individuals. Um, we do have a um, uh, ebook. I was trying to think what those are called. Uh, ebook that I had put together that we do have on our site. So it, uh, I believe I did a nine week plan that people can follow. So I would definitely check that out. Okay. Yeah. And that's on the the website. Yes. Okay. And then for the gym, when do you kind of expect the gym to be open or for people to be able to come down and pop into the gym? So we're thinking anywhere from mid January to mid February, we just say, you know, in the new year, um, it's called gym culture and, um, my gym mm-hmm. is the website. Uh, it's going to be awesome. You know, we got the best of the best of everything we could. Uh, we want it to really be about community and family as, uh, as Don says in Fast and the Furious. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's going to be something special. I think, you know, we want everybody to come check it out. We'll, we'll have a big grand opening after our initial release and I'll be obviously posting about that, but, uh, we're excited for it. You know, it's something I believe the community needs and wants, and we're going to be able to touch and, and help and uh, meet a lot of new individuals. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It'll be great to have that environment. Anyone can drop in or go down to Texas and pop in and actually meet Brandon in person, um, you know, and see kind of his expertise in real life physical space and what he's learned over the years. Um, Brandon, it's been awesome to have you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, for sharing your knowledge, your story. I hope you guys, you know, listening to this or watching the YouTube, that you feel inspired, that you feel like a real human. (laughs) And I say that because you matter. Um, What you do matters. And when you start to recognize and step into that power that you have as just being who you are and telling your own story and sharing what you do in your life, you can inspire and lead just as Brandon does. So make sure to subscribe to the Swell Friends podcast on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify for the audio. Thank you for listening. If you are here on the YouTube, make sure to tune in. We do have these lives with wonderful individuals in the fitness and business and just kind of space all together um, that I sit down and talk with. It's an absolute privilege and uh, subscribe. And thank you so much. And we do wish you the very best of success now and also in the new year and uh, give your little man a high five for me. Will do. I appreciate having uh, been on. Thank you. All right. You bet. You guys have a good day. We'll catch you next time.